On this week's Thoughts from the Shade, the Eagles flushed the turd that is Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. We'll look forward to Doug Peterson's return to Philadelphia with the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday. We'll discuss the winter teams in the city uh, as training camp opens for the Flyers and the Sixers. We've got our mix and match six-pack of games to watch this weekend, and we've got our first submission of Spot in the Shade. Let's cook. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 63, and it is a big one. My man Bomb teased it on the Instagram here today, Tuesday evening. Big episode. I, I don't even know what to say. I just, I know you're jacked up. We took down Wentz. Uh, let me get the flush in. We flushed them. We dominated them. Another win for the Eagles, 3-0 over our, our old pal. Bomb, how you feeling? I told you when we were, you know, kind of talking through this episode, I, I don't know that I've ever been more excited to record an episode. You flip on the Legacy Media, you flip on 94-1, you flip on 97-5. I heard literal talking heads in this city asking the question, at this at this point in his career, I mean, should we be feeling sorry for him? Sorry for him. He he attempted to torpedo our franchise. Everything that happened on Sunday, I mean, it was beautiful. It was football karma. I, I never, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterbacking performance that was as piss poor as what he put in. And, and it was one it was one of the best games to watch as a fan, as as a, as a fan of the Eagles, as, as a Wentz hater. I mean, I, I don't know that someday could have gone better. No, it definitely couldn't have gone better. But I will say, I, I did receive a few texts during that game and people looking forward to the podcast and the episode. And I'm just like, I, I know what we're going to do. I know how Bob's going to be feeling. But talk about feeling bad. Like, there, there's a, a small part of me that I'm just like, man, this guy, this guy's going to be put on blast by us. And it... it I, I don't necessarily feel bad, but like you know me, I have a little bit of uh, empathy in me, so I I do feel bad. You have just empathy. Like a, a so touch. Do, you, do you have emp- empathy for the guy who walks into the TD Bank over here in Doylestown and sticks a gun in the face of the teller and robs the joint? Because that's what this fucking guy's doing with that contract. <laughs> that's basically what this guy's doing. In fact, the bank robber, I would argue, puts more effort, puts more work into his craft. I mean. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy more checked out. Years ago, I called him the nine to five quarterback. I, I don't even know these. He's two to ten. He's a Tuesday through Thursday, two to ten. He might as well be in sales. Shout out Hags. Um, I mean, did you hear? I mean, we'll get into the broadcast. We'll talk about the game. But I mean, just to drive this point home, they're down twenty four to eight, uh, one forty one in the fourth. They zoom in on Wentzy. They they zoom in on him. And he's on the sideline with his protege, Taylor Heineke. I'm sure mentoring him in the same way that he did G1 Hurts. Uh, and, and you got Adam Amen and, and, and Mark Schlereth talking about it. And Amen says this quote, I've heard that so many athletes, when you begin to get married, when you begin to have families, other priorities start to take over and it helps your perspective. Adam, you could have just stopped the sentence that other priorities start to take over. This guy doesn't care about football. He, he's not a franchise quarterback. I, I don't even know that I'd trust him as a backup. Um, I mean, it was a panic move to get engaged after the Super Bowl win. He dropped the minute, the minute Foles got a ring, he dropped to a knee, dropped to a knee, had to get in the victory formation. Couldn't let Nick, you know, take, take the credit for the victory. So there's something mentally off with this guy. There's something goofy with him. I don't think his teammates like him. You look in the face of Terry McLaurin, he's like, what the fuck am I dealing with here? He's like, the first time you give me the ball is the fourth quarter. I mean, it was one of the most disgusting, pathetic performances. So there, to be clear, there was no empathy from me. No empathy. That's fine. I, I I felt guilty feeling empathy for this guy for, for for knowing what he did because because I'm with you. I mean everything that that you bring to light about this guy is valid. You articulate it much better than me, so I'm not even going to try. 
Um, but you talk about franchise quarterbacks and we got to talk about our quarterback because, and we'll talk more about Wentz, but just on the game itself, you know, I thought on the short week after the big emotional win, you know, with the crowd behind us on Monday night against the Vikings, I thought we were in for a letdown spot. Yes, I took Washington plus six. That's so gutless. It was gutless. It's so spineless. It was gutless. I thought it was a bad spot. I, I feel like whenever we go down to Washington, a uh, divisional game, it's a tough game. It's a close game. But I didn't factor in 11. So so that one's all me. <laughs> but I will say, like, out of the gate, Hurts did look a little off. Yep. Missed a couple throws. And when he rebounded and throws for over 300 yards and lets, lets his playmakers go, go make plays, shout out Devontae Smith. A uh, huge game out of him. Monster. R- really great to see. Um, but I just thought back to that Giants game last year on the road where it kind of started how it did on Sunday for Hertz, And last year, it lasted the whole game. And even though Hertz threw a ball that should have been caught, we should have won the game. Uh, you know, the, the struggles lasted the whole game. And then this year, similar situation, road, divisional game, tough start. He bounces back, gets it together. So I think... That's a big sign to me in Hertz's progress and development as our quarterback. So it was good to see. There were a lot of people last year that were questioning this guy's arm. And I think we talked about at the time, I thought it was kind of a foolish, I mean, yeah, could he have a better arm? Are there other quarterbacks that have better arms? Absolutely. But when we watched the games last year, particularly that running attack that they had, I thought it was fairly clear that they had guys running open and he and he would either wait too long to hit them or he wouldn't throw a guy open. And look, some of this is obviously due to the fact that he's got Devontae Smith in his second year. He's got A.J. Brown. Uh, you know, Ertz is out of town. He's no longer chasing his wife and getting a bag from Visa. So he's got a guy in Goddard. Um, uh, but, but what you notice on Sunday is, are, are there times where maybe he doesn't look right throwing? Sure but he's more willing to press the ball down the field. He's more willing to trust his guy to say, hey, go up, make a play. He's more willing to throw a ball uh, uh, a little short and let his receiver either either make a play or get a, get a flag. Um, so that that's something that we didn't see a lot of last year. And in my opinion, huge, huge leap forward. I mean, even absent the mechanical changes, even absent – uh, just some of the decision-making. I, I think his ability to kind of take that risk and say, you know what, we got studs on the outside, just throw it up. I, I love it. Yeah, that's that's what we needed. That's what we've been missing. And Hertz has clearly made it a point to to trust those guys and, and, and just chuck it up. I thought the offense, you know, didn't score in the second half. Uh, I felt like Washington was on the field a lot in the second half, but defense got it done. Uh, early and often, I think before we hit record, you, you were of the belief, and we'd have to check it, but five sacks in the first couple drives? I think it was five sacks or four sacks in the first eight to ten plays. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you know, who is it, Scott Turner, the the the, the uh, offensive coordinator of the Skins? Yep, I've got his name written down, too. Scott Turner. So you got Scott Turner. Now, who's his dad? Who's his dad, G? Norv. Uh-huh. So Nor- you got Norv Turner. This is the nepotism that exists in the NFL. You got Norv Turner, who coached in Washington and didn't win dick. So here we are years later, and we go, you know what? We, we want the next generation of Turner to dial up these plays for 11. I mean, <laughs> I mean, where are the Wentz worshipers calling for Scott Turner's head? He didn't put him in a position to win. But bottom line is, you know, Wentz just can't get the ball out. I mean, the guy's a shell of himself. He's been a shell. He's been a shell since since Foles hoisted the, the trophy. Um. But, yeah, I think it was five in the first eight to ten plays. I heard earlier before the game, you know, last week, people were saying, oh, Fletcher Cox is washed up. Why do we re-sign him? And believe me, I want to see the young kids play. You know me. I'd rather let a guy go a year early rather than a year late. But I see videos of Fletcher Cox dapping up Wentz before the game and everybody's saying, oh, see, it's, it's evidence that Carson wasn't a bad teammate. That's not evidence that he wasn't a bad teammate because the first drive, you got uh, a Fletcher Cox army crawling back to the sideline after he slams the guy to the ground. He just wants to eat. He just wants to eat. That's my favorite selly, I think, on the Eagles. It's is the, the best. Is the Fletcher Cox army crawl and then the point. Um, but that, that thought did cross my mind watching that game, especially in the second half 
with all the opportunities that Washington did have is like, what is this game plan from Scott Turner? Because they didn't try to run the ball to take any any pressure off of uh, Washington's offensive line in that pass rush. And you have a guy in Wentz who refuses to get the ball out quickly, and every time he drops back, it's a seven-step drop. Like they did, like Schlereth and Eamon talked about that on the broadcast. I don't know if that's by design or if that's just, you know, uh, ritual or habit for Wentz to just refuse to take a three-step drop and, and get it out. But the last two weeks, we've seen the Eagles front four get home. Uh, we saw more blitzing, I think, against Minnesota. We saw less of it against Washington. But the front four got home, made it easy on the secondary, uh, and Washington's offense as a result was absolutely pitiful. I mean, look, we could sit here and kill Scott Turner all, all day long. At the end of the day, could they run the ball more? Sure. Um, your quarterback has to make some plays. And the fact of the matter is they did dial up some some screen game. And for years, Wentz may be, Wentz may be the worst screen quarterback in the NFL. Like, he telegraphs it. The ball isn't cashable. It's it's either a bullet pass, uh, you know, particularly on the wide receiver bubble screens. It's a it's a bullet pass. The guy's got to contort his body, and then at that point, everybody's rallying up. You know, linebackers are running through linemen. I mean, I think T.J. Edwards came over and took down a wide receiver. The guy is a pathetic quarterback. So you want to talk about his drops? They were talking about that on the broadcast. You could talk about the game plan. You could talk about the play calling. The fact of the matter is, this guy is washed. He's been washed. Totally washed. Yeah, screen passes are terrible. He's there's got to be a stat out there on this, but he's got to lead like quarterbacks in interceptions thrown to like defensive linemen. Oh my god, it has to. Yeah, but it's it's funny because over the summer, uh, I started our Twitter account at TFTS Pod Throw to follow, and there was some some bullshit you know summer article about how Carson Wentz is the more talented quarterback than Jalen Hurts and. I responded talking about how Wentz shit down his leg as a 15-point favorite against the Jags uh, for a playoff spot for the Colts last year. Which we gave out as a winner. We did. And then I, I have the Washington faithful, all these, uh, you know, no-name accounts. They got funny avatars and, you know, no, no face behind it. And they're coming after me. They're calling me a casual fan. This this guy must not watch the game. Uh, Indianapolis had one of the worst, like, pass-blocking offensive lines in the league. Uh, so I, I replied to the thread for, back from July. I had to dig it up, you know, <laughs> around 3.30 on Sunday. and Just had to check in. Had to see how everybody was feeling. Uh, they blamed the offensive line. Somebody did admit that, you know, Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz both suck. Um, but it, it, it's just unbelievable that everywhere that this guy goes, the offensive line somehow goes to shit. And as soon as he left Philly, we had the best offensive line best in the league. Best offensive line in the league. So what's the common denominator here? Deuce slash 11. 11, yeah. Um, I I don't have much else, though. I don't have any gripes. I'm not going to nitpick. Nah. You can't enjoy complain. Enjoy the win, man. Enjoy the win, enjoy and, the win. Andy Reid. The one thing I, I did notice... Uh, when the Eagles took that safety, the guy who made the play was uh, lined up over Goddard. I think it was Goddard's like first play after coming out of the the blue medical tent. So I mean, you got first and first and ten of your own one, and you got a guy coming out of the tent, probably a little dinged up, matched up against a defensive lineman. Not the best look, but we were up twenty four zip. So I'm uh, I'm doing my my weekly nitpick, but hard to do it. Uh, you know, total domination from start to finish two weeks in a row out of the birds. You love to see it, especially against inferior opponents um, because you look around the league at what's been going on. A lot of slop, uh, a lot of upsets, Chiefs going down at Indy on Sunday. But I guess now we'll just we'll just look forward to the Jags. Right? You got anything else on Sunday? I got a couple things. I got a, I got a mini bone. You don't have to do the whole thing. Right. So you remember the – cornerback from from Washington that uh, Devontae was cooking all game long. They're up 24 nothing and he makes one one play at the goal line on like a on like a bomb and he's doing he's dancing, he's doing this, he's doing the arms and the whole thing. I don't know if you you caught that. Um I thought that was disgusting. Uh 
to, to, to maybe make another comment on the broadcast. And then I do have one more point about this game, which I thought was unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, Schlereth and Amon. I mean, where do these guys come up with this stuff? They're, they're talking about the Washington offense. Well, they have the firepower. It's just too many lulls. Too many lulls. Don't you have to have some success to have a lull? They, gee, they were talking about lulls with 237 left in the fourth quarter. They're down 24 to 2. They're driving in. They're driving in for a patented Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, 18 second left touch to he was he dude. Remember when he was playing at the link a couple years ago and he had the he had the uh, arm sleeve on. Everybody's like, did this guy get a tat? What is this? It was no, it was the camo arm sleeve, and he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn playing against the Seahawks. He'll give you that. They're down 17 to three. He'll give you that touchdown at the end of the game. He'll give you that. You know, they'll go for two. They'll miss it. But it's unbelievable. We're talking about lulls. They haven't scored. I mean, they haven't scored. What are we talking about here? And then, I mean, this was unbelievable. Unbelievable story. Uh, Ron Rivera, I'm watching the press conference after the game. Of course, I had to watch the Washington presser. And somebody asked him, hey, Ron, what about the report that you guys were going after Jimmy G? And Ron Rivera cuts the guy off and says, that's a garbage report. That's a garbage report. That's not true. You know, basically trying to back up. Um, you know, his boy, 11. 11. I have to wonder. I have to wonder. Where did that report come from? The Wentz camp. I don't think so. No? I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. I, in fact, I think it's probably likely that your boy, Howie, many men, Wish death upon me, Howie Roseman. Drop that little report in concert with some contacts he has over at the Niners. Um, let's not forget the Eagles did a deal for Marquise Goodwin during the COVID year. He didn't play, so he's he's wheeled and dealed. He knows some people over there. I think it's possible he dropped that during game week in to 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 spite this guy. If you recall, Jalen Hurts is making his first start as an NFL quarterback, and the Wentz camp is dropping anonymous sources reveal that Carson Wentz refuses to be a backup, wants to be traded. I mean, that was disgusting what that guy did. And I'm interested to know where this Jimmy G report came from, because if it has any type of Howie Roseman fingerprints on it, I mean, GM for life. GM for life. That's fair. Now, I, I mentioned the Wentz camp because I think about when Hertz took over and all the smoke that came out and getting Doug Peterson ran out of town. Like, I feel like his camp did everything they could to try to save face. And, you know, bringing up that distraction w- would, would be another excuse, you know, some more noise that, that would lead Carson to, to be distracted and not perform. And it might might have some legs to it, honestly, because watching Sunday Night Football – Jimmy G and the Niners uh, going down in a total slop fest to Denver. Collinsworth and Tariqa were talking about Jimmy G and, you know, how he was out in the summer and he was working out at the Niners facility, but on his own. And th- yep. that Shanahan, like, took the playbook from him and everything. So he was, like, as good as gone uh, in reality from the Niners. So th- that's that's interesting. I didn't know that. Coming into coming into the pod tonight, but it's always drama with eleven. You know, there's never any accountability taken. Um, you know, he's got perspective. He's got he's got his life outside of football, his charities and kingdom crumb and everything. So it, it's it's nothing new. It's not surprising. No, 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 no empathy here. Well, let's look forward to the Jags. I mean. This is a team bomb. You had them queued up in August for over six and a half. They're two and one. Starting to believe. First, pl- starting to believe. First place in the AFC South, uh, led by our former Super Bowl winning coach, Doug Peterson, who I, I don't even know why it's a debate or a topic uh, on you know sports radio of whether to cheer or boo this guy. Why, why that's even why that discussion's even taking place on social media? It's a joke. And through the airwaves, uh, standing out all day for Doug, bringing us the Lombardi. Um, 
but he's he's bringing a team that's believing into town on Sunday. I think the Eagles are a six and a half point favorite. Game kicks at one o'clock, and before we talk about the game, we have to mention our very own bomb will be in the building. He's been summoned to the field, summoned to hold the American flag. I'll be there, and he's going to attempt to do so in his custom-made fourteen. Jacksonville Jaguars jersey for Doug Peterson. I am in active discussions um, to determine which side of the field we can perhaps hold the flag from. And I am pushing. I'm assuming many Eagles fans will want to be on the home sideline so they can get close to the guys. Uh, I'll take that bullet. I'll be that guy. I'll stand over near Doug wearing... Hopefully, if security lets me. I mean, who knows? You just never know. Um, The custom 14 teal Jaguar Peterson jersey. And, you know, it's a big line, right? I'm I'm rooting for the Eagles. Obviously, I have the Jaguars over six and a half. I think they get there easily. Obviously, I have a Trevor Lawrence MVP future, long shot, but sixth in QBR so far this year. If, If you don't think... If if I'm able to get my grubby hands on this flag on the on the uh, the the Jag sideline, if you don't think I'm standing there looking in the eyes of those Jaguars and telling those guys you better go to war for this man, this man is a champion. This man is a winner. I mean, you got something else coming. So just factor that into the line, because you're gonna have a guy a Philadelphia Eagles fan wearing a Doug Peterson Jags jersey jacking these guys up if I'm on that sideline. Sounds like it might be a take the points play and, and, and root, for, root for the win. But I don't know. I feel like talking to you and, and talking to some other people about this line, like obviously if it was the Jags of old, you would want to see double digits. Um, but but they have performed well early in the year. I don't know what to make of it. Obviously you get the three for being at home, so then it's another three and a half, four. I mean, everyone's like, oh, it's a, it's a big line. It's an Eagles line. I th- I think it's a fair line, and I th- I think if the, I, do too. I think if the Eagles were in a spot where they were going to dominate again, like they were laying six on the road against Washington, they're laying a little more at home against Jacksonville. I think I think this is going to be a tough game. I you know whether they cover, whether they whether they don't cover, whether they win, whether they lose. I think you said it. It's going to be a tough game. This is not going to be a Minnesota Kirk Cousins coming in on Monday Night Football. This isn't going to be Wentz holding the ball, getting sacked nine times. They're going to be well-coached. They're going to be fundamentally sound. Uh, Peterson knows a lot of the Eagles roster. Granted, it's turned over. I know there's been a lot of new guys, new faces, but, I, I mean, Doug's got to be jacked up for this game. I mean, he got he got kicked to the curb. He got thrown out with the, uh, you know, with the trash, so to speak. Um, Probably didn't get picked up in Philly, though. Yeah, the trash didn't get picked up in Philly. That's why he had to wait a year until he got the got the coaching job. Just so sitting out on the curb. I have uh, I have a lot of respect. The debate around boo or or cheer, I mean, is so classless. I, the fact that we're talking about it is classless. Um, my boy, Party Marty, my uh, co season ticket holder, will be beside me. He, I don't believe, has any Jaguar official uh, team gear, but he told me he will be wearing. He's got long, flowing hair, starting to go gray. He's probably 15 years behind Doug on that front. And he always wears the visor for Doug. And he said, I'm wearing the visor this week. So there's going to be a lot of support. I mean, I expect a dog fight. Me too. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. I'm excited. Uh, the other thing you got you got to factor in is, uh, you know, listening to some of these Jaguars players. I think Zay Jones yep. was talking uh, this week just about how he's never been coached this way before um, and how – Doug and is it Press Taylor? Yep, Press and Press. You know the the way they go about things, the way they coach these guys up, and the faith that they instill in their players. You know, it gives them a lot of confidence, uh, and that those guys are going to know that this is Doug's first game back in Philly. So I think they're going to have a little extra juice. Uh, I wonder, and I've thought about this as well. I wonder if the Eagles uh, or if Nick Sirianni feels like he has anything to prove. Uh, you know, he's always wearing his T-shirts for the players and supporting the Sixers and the Flyers. He'll be donning those colors in a couple weeks when those seasons kick off. So he's familiar with what's going on in, the, in this city. So he's got to be aware that Doug Peterson is a household name in Philadelphia. Do you think he's feeling the heat or feeling a little extra juice for this game and 
Is that something the Eagles can rally around? I really wonder that. It's a really good question. Uh, I don't. I just don't know if there's enough there to rally around. Like, first of all, I think Sirianni's. I mean, we laugh about him, and the city kind of laughs about him. Like, he's kind of just like an interesting dude, a little, a little goofy, I guess you could say. Um, I don't think he thinks of it that way. In fact, I don't even think the players are like even thinking of it as like, oh, we want to go prove Nick over Doug. Because I think a lot of the players still have a ton of respect for Doug. I think, frankly, I think this game is just going to be a tough game between two well-coached teams and two up-and-coming quarterbacks. And I think that's a good thing. Um, Sirianni was interviewed on the radio uh, just talking about Doug. And he's like, look, like I don't, I don't know him that well. Obviously, I know what he did in the city, and that's, that's, the, that's the goal. That's the standard. That's what I want to achieve. Um, but he said, yeah, I you know, obviously coached under Frank. Uh, Frank Reich and he's like Frank had nothing but good good things to say about Doug he's like so I have a lot of respect for this guy so I a lot of times with these these games where you're looking for juice you're looking for an edge you're looking for that bullet bulletin board I feel like there's got to be someone feeling like they're slighted or there's hatred on one side I, I really don't see that if anything I see it with Doug and Howie and Lurie and kind of how all that went down but I don't know that that translates and filters out to uh, a young Jacksonville Jaguars roster. Yeah. And uh, what was I going to say? You think about, like, the, the business-like approach that the Eagles have had. You see Hurts in the locker room after the game, always saying, talking about the standard. And, yeah, we dominated. Yeah, we won. Yeah, we're going to enjoy this. But we got we to gotta clean this shit up. Um, so I think the, the business-like approach from the Eagles thus far and then, like you mentioned, the respect that Sirianni probably has for Doug is that it's yeah. n- it's not really going to be a, 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 an extra get up or a get up spot for the Eagles. It's just it's just another game on the schedule. But they they have the respect. They're they're going about their business, uh, and, and it should be a good game. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. But let, let me ask you as a fan, if if, um, if the Eagles lose this game, and let's say it's a you know they're in it, maybe Jacksonville wins late or maybe they win, you know, they punch it in for a, you know, they win by 10 or something like that, but they don't get embarrassed. It's just a, you know, do, do you, do you look at Sirianni any differently? No, no, not at all. Because I know Doug Peterson's a good coach. I know Jacksonville has a young, talented roster, you know, that they've hit on draft picks. Uh, I can't think of the defensive ends name. I think it's Trayvon Walker, yep. 44. Uh, he's tearing it up, getting after it. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is starting to play to his potential. It's a good young team with, with good coaching, and you're not going to go 17-0. and I mean, I know the Eagles are going to be favored in every game probably the rest of the year, uh, but to expect them to, to win a, every game is, is insane and absurd. So, no, I, I don't think I would look in, at it any differently at all. I think it's just a bump in the road, and losing is, is not bad. Like, it, it happens to everyone and you get better from it. And that's maybe not, not what they need. I don't want to say it's what they need, Yep. but you, the reality check is never a bad thing. Well, isn't it funny how we feel that way about, about Doug? Um, and he was jettisoned by, by the front office, but the game that they just played against Washington was a, was a must win just to, just to prove that we, we have the guy and the guy that we kicked, we kicked out of town because he cried and whined and wanted his way out. It wasn't the answer, and that that felt that felt good. But I don't I don't see this game that way at all. That's like a good thing though, in terms of kind of where the Eagles stand right now. Like, hopefully there was a little extra juice last week going against eleven, and then hopefully this week it's just business as usual, respect for the opponent. Yep, going out and trying to get a dub. So I just I just thought that was interesting going from playing against Wentz last week and then playing against the guy he ran out of town. This week, and I, I would think the players that have played under both Peterson and Sirianni probably know exactly everything that went down, and it's all good, you know. So, so we're in a good spot. If there's no extra juice for this game, and there was last week, I think this team is, is in a great spot mentally. We were uh, not 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 to harp on Wentz, but we were kind of ribbing the the Kelsey podcast uh, last week. Last week. There's an interesting clip on Instagram of those two guys talking about Wentz. And R. Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, is being deferential and being, you know, 
a good guy about it and basically saying like, yeah, I got nothing but respect for the guy. And then they pan to Travis and he's like, his face just says what like he knows. And he's like, make, he's taking not like cheap shots, but making like comments that like makes you think he knows what actually went on. And like Jason Kelsey's just kind of being like the nice guy in the public face. I got to check that out. Not, yeah. not, not to plug any other content, but ours, but that, that sounds like a, uh, a must watch. So yeah. Uh, Jags at Eagles at the link, 1 o'clock Sunday. Look for Bomb. Look for the Teal 14 Peterson jersey down on the field pregame. Make sure you tune in, you know, 12.55. I'll be down there holding that glorious American flag. I hope. I mean, I hope they let me wear it. And, in fact, just I know I'm going to catch some shit from people, you know, until they see what's on the back, you know, the 14 Peterson. It's a very simple answer. I was told when they when they ran Nick Foles out of town, I was told by 60, 70% of the fan base, they re-signed Wentz, they cut Foles. Oh, it's his team. It's this and that. He can go be a franchise coach. I was told, Bomb, if you don't like Wentz, go be a Jags fan. Okay, pretty simple. So I bought the jersey for Doug. It's all full circle. So I think it's great. I like it. Looking forward to Sunday. Uh, I want to pivot as the Sixers and Flyers open up training camps uh, and get ready for the start of a new season next month, which is quickly approaching. Crazy to think we're through three NFL games, four college games, but I wanted to bring something up and, and folks have brought it up to me as a potential like podcast topic to kind of compare the process versus like the Flyers rebuild under Hextall. You know, the, the Flyers, they kept Drew and Voracek and Simmons and everything and tried to draft and still remain competitive. The Sixers, the process, everybody knows about that. Um, but I'm looking at, you know, the, the picture day for the Sixers, and it's Toby and Embiid and Maxie and Harden, and I guess P.J. Tucker's going to be the, the fifth guy now. And they got the arms crossed, mean mugging, taking the pictures. All laughs, too. All and, good times. And, I, and I'll, ne- I, I, I'll never get on Tyrese Maxie. I mean, I, maybe I will at some point, but not yet. Uh, I think I think he's awesome. But I can't help but but look at this Sixer team, the hype, you know, listening to to Maury and Doc Rivers. And I just can't help but think about uh, the Flyers teams of like the last, say, four to six years where they're they're bringing Giroux back and they got the young talent and they they added a little piece here and added a little piece there. And we're going to win a playoff round this year and. I just can't help but think to myself, have the Sixers become the Claude Giroux era Flyers? And is Joel Embiid kind of this city's new Claude Giroux where he's been close to winning an MVP a couple times? Uh, He's had some great moments. He's loved by the fan base. Uh, But the results, the playoff results, just aren't there. So interested to get your take. I might get killed by the Sixers people for this. I don't really give a shit because... Sixers haven't proven anything to me. I think we've made it clear, you know, in, in the winter, in the spring last year, that we were totally anti-process. You can't intentionally lose and and still come out, no. you know, years later with nothing to show for it. So, I mean, what do you think about that? I don't think you're far off. I think where you're off is the, um, the fan base. So, Giroux, people forget, right? When they went to the Cup, Carter, Richie, uh, and Giroux was what an assistant captain? No, I don't even think he was. He was like a he was like a second or third year, a third liner, young guy. Um, and then he grew into the sea. He grew into the sea. But if you recall, like after they jettisoned Richie and Carter, there wasn't a ton of like we're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Like it was more like we have to win the division. We have to get to the playoffs. We got to make a deep playoff run. Part of that is just because they didn't have a goaltender. Um, but these Sixers fans still seem to think that like Claude Giroux or as you're comparing them to Joel Embiid is just going to like magically wake up at age. What is he now? 30? Yeah. He's got to be somewhere around there. Yeah. Age 30. It's seven, one, two eighty. Those knees banging on that hardwood for the last 10 years, the foot injuries, the back injuries, all the injuries. And, and, and this is the year that the guy's going to wake up and carry them to a title. Like, it's just totally off off base. So, I agree with you. I mean, I think they're kind of stuck in this uh, 
this era where they'll be a good regular season team. They'll get to the playoffs. They're not going to get over the hump. I mean, you'd be crazy if you think they're going to get over the hump. So in that sense, yeah, they are very flyer-like. It's interesting. It's just interesting to me. It's it's two teams that they have a lot of diehard fans. I'd consider myself more diehard for the for the Flyers, but they went through two different types of rebuilds. Both have netted nothing, and now I just look at the Sixers, and I'm sick of looking at them. And I'm I'm more than sick of looking at the Flyers uh, already, and I just feel like that might be where this whole Sixers thing is headed. I agree with you. I mean, the thing is, this this I don't want to paint with a broad brush here because I I'm not a big basketball fan. I'm not. I should say I'm not a big Sixers fan, not because of the team, because of the fans. Um, I refuse to be associated with their outlook and their thinking. I mean, this is a fan base that will crown a general manager if he's here for two minutes. Oh, Daryl Moore. Oh, Sam Hinkie. But then turn around and they're the same people that are screaming from the rooftops, we got to get rid of Howie Raisman, the guy who won you a Super Bowl. So it just, but again, when you, when you lose intentionally, you don't understand how important or how hard it is to win. It's very easy to lose. It's very hard to win. It is indeed. Uh, let's move along. I have one more thing. I, I don't know that we, we talked about it, but putting together the little outline here, but uh Got some insider information this morning uh, on Uh-oh. the on the Penn State football front. Ooh, breaking news! Insider Cork. Uh, I received a text message this morning from from a I would say a pretty reliable source, uh, close to several former Penn State football players that played under James Franklin. Uh, let me let me pull this text up because I want to make sure I do it justice. Here we go. This is the text I received at 8.33 a.m. from Insider Cork. Hearing from inside sources, Clifford, knee sprain, Aller, starting. Penn State up to number 11 in the country. A ho-hum win over Central Michigan on Saturday. They play Northwestern at home this Saturday, 3.30. I saw this news. I was delighted. I mean, I don't wish harm on Sean Clifford by any means. I think he's been really solid. To start the year, but, I mean, we've talked about it. After Northwestern, it's Michigan, Minnesota, who's 4-0 and 21st in the country now, and then Ohio State. I think to win two of those three games or by some stretch three of those three games, they certainly need elevated quarterback play. And I think uh, the potential of Drew Aller could give them that chance to win two. And I, I don't think... Uh, the ceiling is as high with the erratic Sean Clifford. Uh, I did log into my, you know, insider account on a uh, a college football message board that, that has a lot of Penn State honks on it as Here well. We go. And the rumors were swirling there as well. So that's all I'm going to say. It's just a rumor. Now, did you chop it up in the boards, the message boards? A little bit. It depends, it depends how I'm feeling because I, I read through them, these people – they, they want Clifford. They think Cli- they, 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 would, they would build a statue for the guy and put it right where Joe Pa's statue used to be. They think Sean Clifford gives us the best chance to, to win these big games this year, and I, I totally disagree. And I, that's not to say that Aller uh, might not go in there or might go in there and fail uh, and and stumble, but I would rather see no. I would rather see that and go nine and three or eight and four than to see Clifford go in there. And go nine and three or eight and four, and then and then if you do that with Aller next year when you get to Michigan, you get to Ohio State. He's already seen it. Uh, this kid, yeah, I've I've seen this kid throw the ball what maybe a dozen times. I haven't watched every single game, but I, from what I've seen, the way he moves to the pocket, the way he handles the football in the pocket, around traffic, the way he's dropped balls in. This is it, uh, uh, Sean Clifford. If you're listening. Um, I don't know if there's a way for you to kind of go get go get a, an NIL deal with like ace bandage for your knee, but this is it. This is the last deal you're going to get. You're 24. You're the CEO of Limitless. If that doesn't work, I think Enterprise or Hertz has a position for you available. But I mean, he's about to get Wally pipped. Um, 
bottom line, end of story. I don't think there's any way they can go back to Clifford. If Aller comes out and they and and they and they win and they and they look good, he's the guy moving forward. The question becomes: Does Franklin have the stones to do that? Is does he have the stones to look Sean Clifford in the eye? Because I mean, he could have told this kid in the offseason, "Look, Sean, thanks for your service. You gotta go. You gotta hit the portal. We 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 don't we don't have a spot for you." But he welcomed him back. You know, he was able to get the, the chicken endorsement. Uh, able to you know try to unionize of some sort. Uh, he was doing a lot of things on campus, and uh, but but does James Franklin of the Stones to now finally months later look him in the eye and say, Sean, I'm sorry, you, know, you get to hold in the clipboard. I don't think he does. Ultimately, I really don't think that he does. I don't, I, and I I don't think it's. I'm just gonna say it, and I know you don't agree, but I don't think it's the worst thing that Clifford came back. I would say. If he went to Aller now, he played well, he stayed in, I would say it was a pretty good plan to to have Clifford handle those early games, those early road games, let Aller get his feet wet. I don't disagree. Learn I just the, don't think it's going to happen. Learn the offense a little more and then stick the kid in there and, and say it's it's time to go. We're 4-0, you know. We, we got a shot this year to maybe win 10 games or so. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think James Franklin has the stones, but – I feel like I wanted to say something else. There was something. On the there, topic. Was a, there was. A, I'll say this: there was talk about Aller, and some one of the reporters asked Franklin during a press conference, "What is it you want to see him work on?" And like I told you, like James Franklin doesn't have a clue. Like doesn't have a freaking clue. When he looks at a quarterback, he's got no idea what it is a guy has, has to work on. So here's. Did you see what James Franklin said? I don't think so. No. Well, for strategic reasons, uh, I can't answer that question. Um, I'm happy to follow up with you during spring ball in the off season to talk about what it is he can work on. But for strategic purposes, I don't want to put out into the universe what it is we think he needs to work on. So he doesn't want to put that out, but every week at his Tuesday press conference, he comes out and talks about every player on the upcoming opposing team uh, that they saw on tape that popped on tape. Mm -hmm. So who who they're going to focus their game plan on. He comes out Got a lot of respect for Pat Fitzgerald and what he's done at Northwestern, and we're looking at number 71 and number 44. But he, does, he doesn't want to comment on what Aller has to work on. He's a clown. But, yeah, thanks to Insider B Cork, uh, loyal listener. Shout out, B Cork. Good friend of the show uh, for the Insider tip. Penn State at Nor- uh, Northwestern at Penn State, 3.30 Saturday. Don't be surprised if when the Nittany Lions – Break the sideline for the first drive at 15. Drew Aller is leading the charge. I would certainly welcome it. Let's get. I, I got to say before you even jump in, I hammered uh, Northwestern getting 25 and a half. I think it's up to 27. I, yeah, I, I, I have to find a way to get out of this bet. Um, so I'm going to get middled somehow, like <laughs> if it's going the other way, but. I, I I hammered Northwestern not knowing about this quarterback situation. So B Cork, while it's great info, I got I got to have it earlier in the week. Um, so yeah, I mean now I'm gonna have to turn around and do the opposite G, and then get middled and totally bent over. Hopefully it's a wash. Let's jump to our mix and match six pack of games to watch this weekend on the gridiron in college and in the NFL. Uh, I can start. I got one college game, two pro games. Uh, I'm looking Saturday night, Death Valley, Clemson. uh, Second week in a row, they'll be tested in the ACC. The fifth-ranked Clemson Tigers take on the 10th-ranked NC State Wolfpack at Memorial Stadium. Uh, Clemson laying six and a half, very low total of 40 and a half. Uh, I have to give... DJU, quarterback at Clemson, some credit last week. Uh, lit it up, put up some good numbers. I think Clemson ended up scoring 50 points in the overtime win against Wake Forest uh, on the road. Can they get up again and do it again uh, against another good ACC opponent? Uh, remains to be seen. Should be another great game. Uh, and then let's let's go to the pros. Thursday night. The only other undefeated team in the league, the Miami Dolphins. Um, they go to Cincinnati, take on the defending AFC champs, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are sitting at one and two. 
Uh, they're going to be decked out in those all-white uniforms, the white helmets, white jerseys, white pants. Really excited to see those pop on TV. Uh, Joe Burrow and the boys got back on track last week against the New York Jets. Bengals, and I should mention the Dolphins, uh, with the win over the Buffalo Bills. Uh, had them with the points on Fade the Shade. Had them outright. Not on Fade the Shade. Uh, thank you very much. Bengals laying four at the moment. Uh, I don't know what the status of two is. No, it was dinged up uh, in the game against Buffalo. But regardless, I think it's a bad spot for Miami. Coming off the big win against Buffalo, feeling themselves undefeated, and the Bengals got back on track. I think they get better as the year goes on. Will it be enough to turn the season around in time uh, and, and make the playoffs again in a tough AFC? I don't know. I think it's a great spot for Cincinnati Thursday night. Good to have a Thursday night game with two prominent teams uh, to kick off the weekend. And then to end the weekend, Monday night football, the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers at Levi Stadium. Rams at 2-1 and one, off a win against our boy Midget Murray. Uh, the 49ers lost a slop fest to Denver. They're sitting at 1-2. and two. Just another fraud fest. You know, we talked about Las Vegas and Arizona a couple weeks ago, fraud fest. It's another fraud fest. And, yeah, I'm calling the Super Bowl champs frauds. Yeah, they are. McVay, uh, Kyle Shanahan, he's got the the new era flat brim, looking like a punk teenager on the sideline, coaching up the 49ers to 10 total points against a piss-poor Denver Broncos team. Uh, but, but I think it'll be a battle. Uh, I'm always interested to see these two teams play a rematch of last year's NFC championship game. Be a good Monday night game. We'll get Aikman and Buck. Uh, looking forward to that game to round out the weekend. That's good stuff, G. I'll, I'll finish off the six pack. I like you. I got one college, two pro. On the college side, we'll call it the transitive property game. It just makes no sense to me, G. I mean, here we have uh, Sparty going into uh, Maryland. Baby Tua. Uh, baby Tua, um, y- you have uh, Michigan State getting seven. Granted, it's on the road, but I'm a big transitive property guy here in college football. Okay, so you got Sparty who beat Michigan last year. You have Maryland who went in and uh, I guess held it tight with Michigan. They covered the spread at the Big House, and now you have Michigan State going to Maryland. So. You know, how does this transitive property play out? Um, I'm not sure what to think. I think I have a lean. I think I'm looking green. Uh, it might be Tucker time, but man, it's just a weird seven points. I mean, Maryland should Maryland's laying seven against Michigan State. Like, what is that? They put up a pretty admirable performance against Michigan sure. uh, in the Big House on Saturday, and Michigan State is all out of sorts. Secondary blows. I don't even know if the quarterback. Uh, made it out against the game in the game against Minnesota last week. They're kind of in shambles. So, well, I guess it transit of property. They beat Michigan last year. Yeah, you know, granted, they may not have the same guys, but this is this is purely this is like the bomb. Like, just you just you don't have to know the teams, you don't have to know the rosters. All you need to know is like the programs. Like Michigan State getting seven against Maryland. That's all I need to know. That's it's it. Um. Speaking of knowing the program, speaking of knowing <laughs> where, where a team is going to net out, my second game, fifth game of the six-pack. Um, boy, those Denver Broncos stink, man. Uh, they're going to Las Vegas, a team in a bad spot. The Raiders are laying two. Uh, I don't know what to think. You you could tell me maybe, that, you know, with that late, late drive that the Broncos put off that they're going to get it cooking. Is it possible that Russell Wilson is just a fraud who was carried to a Super Bowl by his defense? I'm starting to wonder. Um, and then Derek Carr, just a total bum. He got the biggest receiver in the NFL, the best receiver in the NFL. They can't win a game. So you talk about Fraud Fest. I talk about Fraud Fest. That's another Fraud Fest. The last game, finishing off the six-pack, polishing the six-pack off. You know, when you polish the six-pack off, G, you got, you got to look for a guy who – you know, you got six beers, but you don't have six feet. Midget Mary. The Arizona I mean, look at this game. The Arizona Cardinals are going to Carolina, who stinks. They stink. 
The NFC South stinks. And that was a pathetic performance by New Orleans. I mean, I'm on New Orleans last week. I don't know. It's so bad. But you got Midget Mary. I mean, if there was ever a time for him to run around and do his thing and, you know, start throwing the ball around the yard and scrambling around and doing the whole 80-yard scramble, it's not cold yet. Uh, Granted, they're coming east, but they're getting to. I want to polish off the six-pack with Midget Mary. That's what I want to do. It would be a perfect time for Midget Mary just go off to pop off, put put some numbers up against a dog shit team like Carolina. Yeah, I I forgot to mention this talking about the Eagles, uh, but watching like the Tampa Bay Green Bay game Sunday afternoon, uh, the Sunday night game like Denver San Fran, two teams that caught a lot of hype this summer. The Eagles might not be perfect. They they might not be scoring in the second half, but you look at some of these teams that are supposedly you know Super Bowl contenders or top of the conference teams. They look like shit, and uh, that just leads me to believe, like, and and you know me, like, sometimes I'm a glass-half-empty guy, but the Seagulls team is fucking good. So, there's the six-pack. I didn't mention uh, Fade the Shade. I mean, is it time to, to, to rename the segment? At your own risk, G. Yeah, I, I'm giving us a round of applause. Fade the Shade through... Uh, three weeks in the NFL and four weeks in college football. Uh, picks are posted weekly, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, uh, at Thoughts in the Shade on Instagram, at TFTS Pod on Twitter. I won't run through. Actually, yeah, I will run through all the records. Fuck it. Uh, Bomb is 11-7 and seven in both the NFL and college football. I am 10-5 and five in the NFL and 13-10 and 10 in college football. Big swing from last year. Man. Uh, on the whole, thoughts from the shade, fade the shade, 45 and 29. <laughs> hitting at a 61% clip thus far. So we'll keep we'll keep it as fade the shade, but it's fade the shade at your own risk, folks. So looking forward to some games this weekend. We'll have some picks posted. Uh, and as always, best of luck to everybody on their investments. All right, we're going to wrap up this week's episode uh with the debut of our new segment uh as always want to see the people get involved whether it be on social whether it be via text Uh, but we want to hear from everybody so we're starting up your spot in the shade uh we've got the voicemail box set up at 215-385-5164 anything is welcome dial it up let it rip We'll respond. We got two messages tonight uh, to those guys. We appreciate it. Uh, so let's let's just give it a run here, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Hey guys, this is uh, Bob from from Bluebell. I just want to—I know there's a lot going on with the Eagles and the Sixers starting up, and and the Phillies making a postseason run. However, uh, just want to figure out just to get your sense on. If you think Notre Dame, if they run the table, if they can still make the college football playoff, I mean, I think a big win over a USC team that's that's having a nice year. I, I still think it's a possibility. I wanted to get your sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> that's gold. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's a bomb troll. Uh, regardless, I love it. And, and pulling up the schedule and knowing how much the committee, you know, and, and the public and everybody in America loves the Notre Dame fi- fighting Irish. I don't think you can completely rule it out. <laughs> if if there if there's chaos, uh, you know, if we get maybe just one SEC team, uh, you get the Big Ten champ, it looks, looks like it's going to be Ohio State, uh, the way they rolled over Wisconsin, they're, they're getting on track. Um, one SEC team, Big Ten champ, and I don't know, you see a Clemson loss this weekend, that opens the door for somebody. Pac-12 goes crazy, and if Notre Dame runs the table, 10-2 and with wins over 19th-ranked BYU next weekend, uh, they host Clemson later in November, and they wrap up the season at USC. 10-2 and with those three wins, and the love that the Irish get, it cannot be completely ruled out just yet in my eyes. Does a 10-2 and, uh, and two Notre Dame team 
with wins over Clemson and USC, get over get in over a one loss Clemson. That's I guess we saw this with Penn State and and Ohio State, right? Yeah, yeah, in uh, 2016. Here's what I'll say. I mean, yeah, it's all it's all shits and giggles. It's all laugh at the bomb. You know, it is what it is, right? Marcus Freeman, I don't think he's the guy that's going to take you to the promised land. However, look what the committee does year after year. They, they, they look at schedules. They look at strength of schedules. Folks, I'm looking at Marshall. Uh, their season opener, they lost 16-7 against Troy. They lost to a tough Bowling Green team that almost knocked off UCLA. They lost that game 34-31. They got it rolling on the road at Notre Dame 26-21. They blew out Norfolk State 55-3. Okay. Here's who Marshall has later in the year. They have a game in late October against Coastal Carolina. Well-regarded team. They have a game before Thanksgiving against Appalachian State. They have a game. Late November, Georgia State and Georgia Southern. So, can Marshall win the Sun Belt? If Marshall wins the Sun Belt, right? Here you have an, they beat an App State team. That App State team beat AM. Who knows what they do? I mean, does that loss at home against Marshall suddenly start to look a little different? It would in the committee's eyes, I think. The way they look at shit. And the, the other thing I'll say is, like, for teams with losses making the playoffs, I feel like the loss always comes early in the year. Yep. Always comes early in the year. So, uh, for Bob, for Bluebell, we appreciate the call. Don't give up hope on the Irish just yet. I think that's the consensus uh, from us here at Thoughts from the Shade. Let's go to our second call uh, to wrap things up. And this is Kevin from Fishtown. Loyal listener, great friend. Let's see what he's got. Hey, guys. First time, long time. This is Kevin from Fishtown. As two Philly residents, or now suburb residents, I'm interested in your take on a couple things. So first being, what is the most overrated Philly food place or tradition? And then second, on the flip side, what is the most underrated Philly food place or tradition. Very interested in your thoughts and uh, keep up the great work. Love you guys. Bye. Appreciate the call, Kev. Love you too, bro. Um, one overrated food place tradition and one underrated. Uh, I will go with my overrated first. It's uh, it's a recent memory. I just had D'Alessandro's for the first time uh, in July. And you know what? I didn't I didn't get the hype. I thought it was a good sandwich. I didn't think it was a fantastic roll. Uh, I think they do their meat kind of fine, which is fine. Um, but I kind of prefer Steve's, you know, not the chopped. You know, you got more like the, uh, what do they call it? Like the, the, the flanks of steak or... I don't know. I mean, is, are they the slabs like a Gino? Yeah, or yeah, it- yeah, yes, the, the slabs. Um, Steve's has the slabs. Deli's is a little more chopped, but it was, you know, this, the sandwich was full of meat, but I didn't think it was anything spectacular. And the other thing I'll say about D'Alessandro's, uh, I've, I've made a number of trips, uh, down to that area in the last year plus, uh, with the significant other living around the corner. And every time you drive by, it's a fucking mob of people standing out there. They're standing in the street. They're clogging up Henry Ave. It's a pitiful experience to try to get a steak there. Uh, you got to sit in. I mean, that's that's your fault there. You got to sit in. Really? You got to get inside, get get into one of those uh, circular circular seats at the counter. That's the move. I mean, takeout's not the move. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's on me, but I I I, I don't believe the hype. I mean, I I would get it again, but I, I it wouldn't be the first place that I try to go to, uh, you know, in a, in a pinch or it's going downhill. For, I agree with you. I mean, overrated. I think we can debate, but I, it, it, what it was years ago, totally different new ownership. I think the sandwich is different. They're just running off the brand right now. Just printing money, running off the brand. Yeah. It's, it's not top tier for me. I, I will offer an, an alternative, uh, an, an off the board alternative. If you, 
get out to the suburbs. Hatboro, Silvio's Deli, uh, great bread, great roll, great steak. Uh, I, I know we have city listeners. I know we have suburban listeners. That would that I'll offer the alternate of Silvio's Deli and Hatboro. Great establishment. Bomb. Let's go with your overrated, uh, and then we'll go underrated. I don't hate your uh, your overrated. I tend to agree on Del Sandro's. It's it's pitiful what it's become. But I got another place that has has fallen by the wayside. Uh, 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, would have been one of my favorite pizza joints. One of my favorite. Great pie. I think actually even on my 21st birthday, after stumbling out of Chickies and Pete's, you know, 21st birthday, I ordered up a couple pies. Ordered up a couple. Celebrees. Celebrees Pizza in that same shopping center down in South Philly. Um, they used to have one of the most exquisite pizzas, just perfectly cooked Perfect amount of cheese to sauce ratio, a little bit of a little bit of grease. But I want to say the last pie I had, and I've had a couple. I mean, I'm always well, I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Somebody called out. You know, the the main, the main pizza guy was sick today or something. Nobody right? bats a thousand. Nobody bats a thousand. I think I got a bad pie, bad pie. So I go back, I get another pie. I I, I there were instances where I went in and sat and said, "There's no way that this pie could has gone downhill." Uh, let me get, let me get, let me sit in and get slices. It's fallen by the wayside, and I think, I think I'm willing to give it one last chance, maybe on Sunday, uh, depending upon how the Eagles do. If you're down there and you want to join the bomb for a slice and rate it, you know, happy to. But I think that's a place that, absent some sort of miracle coming, you know, this coming Sunday. Uh, an overrated joint that used to be pretty glorious. That's an interesting pick because that was a a family staple for me back in the day. Is that right? When when my father was still willing to go down to South Philadelphia and take his two sons and his wife, you know, to a sporting event, we always got down there early and we always went to Celebreeze. Well, knowing and your he, father, he would be disappointed. Yeah, he's and he's picky. You know, I mean, he knows his spots. He's got his spots. That was one of his spots. So sad to hear that it's uh, it's taken a turn for the worse. Uh, underrated. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else talk about this place, uh, and that's not to say I'm the only person that knows about it. That's definitely not the case. Um, but you know, t- talking Philly, talking to everybody, everybody's got a spot. Uh, I'm going to Queen Village uh, to Square Pie. This is a place my parents took me to helping me move when I lived down in the city. Wow. Uh, Square Pie, tiny hole-in-the-wall kind of old Italian-feeling joint. There's maybe five or six tables. Uh, They have meatballs that are incredible that you get as an appetizer, and then you get this thick-ass square pizza. Uh, that is just to die for, you know, the, the crispy square crust. Uh, they got it all. The meatballs, unreal. So I'll be I'll be quick with the underrated, but uh, if anybody in the city uh, or if anybody's visiting the city needs a spot for a square pizza uh, and a, maybe a nice little date spot, Square Pie in Queen Village, the place is fucking gas. Got to try that out, G. I would highly recommend that. I got to get back there. I've only been there like twice. All right. So I guess you're looking for a, a bomb underrated. Um, I'm not going to give you a food. I'm not going to give you a restaurant. I'm going to give you a tradition. Okay. Okay. Because I think our boy Kev from Fishtown wanted a tradition. This is a guy who's laying down roots in the city. He's got a wonderful crib in Fishtown. He's, he's looking to start traditions. Okay. What better time than to start a tradition than Thanksgiving, right? You got the pilgrims, you got the Native Americans, you got all the big feasts, the cornucopia, the whole thing. And I'm looking at Cassius Bakery down in South Philly, not far from Marconi Plaza. I don't even know if you can say that anymore, Marconi Plaza. Uh, Cassius Bakery. Kev, I'm telling you, man, Thanksgiving morning, right? You, You get there at the ass crack of dawn, before dawn, actually. You bring the turkey, you line up. You got the bird in hand, they cook it for you. All right, 1944 oven. I'm not sure about the cost structure, but I think that's a pretty interesting tradition. 
keeps the oven free for all the delightful sides that you want to, you know, put together that the old lady's putting together, you know, whether it be mashed potatoes, all the other things, all the fixings, you know, you got the pineapple bake, all the wonderful things you want to load your plate off, you know, head down to Cash's. They'll take care of the bird. For two guys that rip this city, we we've got a, we've got we've got some spots. We've got some some spots, some ideas, some some traditions. We've lived it. We have lived it. Yep. We have lived it. Uh, that's where the, the the values or the ideas or the thoughts and feelings on on the city of brotherly love come from. But uh, despite the crime, despite the shenanigans, a lot of great food places in the city. You can't beat the city food. Uh, so that's our first edition of your spot in the shade. We will thank Bob. We will thank Kevin. Uh, you know, I think it's fun to get the people involved. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, really the people that listen, the people that give us feedback, that's, that's what keeps this show going. Uh, so we appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, anything else? Any, any last tidbits? Let's go birds. Go birds. Uh, if you're watching on TV or if you're down there tailgating, going to the game, whatever, look for that teal 14 Peterson Jersey and say, what's up to bomb. Um, and we'll wrap on that. We will thank everybody for listening as always. Uh, and we will thank our sponsor, Menard Premium Detailing. Uh, the best auto detail service in Bucks County. Uh, check them out online on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. I don't know if I mentioned that at the top, but I'll mention it again. Wherever you're listening, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Uh, and do us a favor. Share this podcast uh, with one person that doesn't know about it, uh, and let, let's build the base here. Uh, so for G and for Bomb, that's episode 63. We'll talk to everybody next week. Go Birds. Go Birds.